When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Varsity Videos, brought to you by the OHIO Podcast here at Varsity Videos. We review and rank sports films from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl. I am your host, Chris Wilds, a self-proclaimed popcorn expert and a podcaster. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Eric Boggs. Eric, how are things on this warm, sticky Saturday morning? Hey, I, I love this type of weather, Chris. You know me, man. I... I don't like the white stuff. So when it, it, the hotter, the better for me. I don't care. Get, bring it on, man. I'll sit in the AC all day long, watch sports movies. Yeah, you know what? For me, I'm over it already. We've had two days of it. Of course, as we talked about a little bit before we went on the air yesterday, I spent the day out uh, doing a field day at one of the local elementary schools here. And I'll tell you, it was hot and miserable yesterday. It's already getting to be even worse this morning. Bring on the fall, bring on the football, you know, I'm ready for it. That being said, Eric, we always like to start off our show with just a little bit of movie news. So what do you have for us today? Yeah, I've got a new sports movie that's going to be coming out, I believe, later this year called Streamline. Um, it's about Levi Miller, who stars as a 15-year-old um, uh, gifted swimmer. On the brink of becoming uh, on the brink of the biggest swim meet of his life that could see him qualify for the Olympics. Uh, he is being pushed by his ruthless coach, uh, Glenn, who's played by Robert Morgan and his adoring but misguided mother, Kim should have named her Karen. But that's beside the point <laughs> played by the terrific Laura Gordon. It's unclear if Ben actually wants the life he's seemingly being forced to chase when his estranged father, uh, played by Jason Isaacs, suddenly gets out of jail, Benjamin's fight to escape his tumultuous past to Olympic glory becomes even more dangerous. So this sounds kind of like a interesting little family dynamic mixed in with sports. And it kind of sounds a little bit similar to a movie that we watched earlier in the year, uh, also from the Olympic division, if you remember, uh, about swimming, that one from the um, 
from the uh, uh, Australia uh, f- uh, version of it anyways, but uh, trying to remember the name of that movie. But it sounds kind of like maybe the American version of it, and I'm not sure if this is based on a true story or not, but – I'm interested to see what this is. Oh, Swimming Upstream. That's the movie I, we were talking uh, – I was thinking of that was from Australia. Right. So this one, Streamline, sounds very similar to that uh, with maybe more of an American flavor to it. So we'll see how this turns out later in the year. Well, that sounds like a good one. Of course, not so much sports news, but you know what? We've got a big one coming out here in a couple of weeks, which uh, – is going to be hitting theaters, and that's the follow-up to Top Gun, one of my favorites of all time. That's going to be coming out here uh, the 27th, I believe, Eric, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, Ma- Maverick, I think, is what they titled yes, this Yes, Top one. Gun Maverick. So here's the thing. Maybe it's not necessarily, quote-unquote, a sports movie, but is not Top Gun, if you go back and watch the original, when they go to Top Gun, is it not a competition? Oh, it's definitely a competition. So therefore, uh, is it that, not a pseudo, pseudo, uh, kind of like a uh, semi-quasi sports movie in a way? We might find a way to link it. Hey, there's some volleyball in there. Got a little beach volleyball. <laughs> yes, there is. That's right. So, um, and, and and actually, it looks like they may have the same in the new movie as well. So. Hmm. There might be have to be a Top Gun review after maybe we get through the first 100 sports movies. Maybe we'll we'll open up the because uh, there's a, there's some several ones, Chris. Gladiator, you know, Hunger Games. These could these are quasi sports movies in a way. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's it's a competition type thing. It's con- Gladiator was the original contact sport, Eric. I mean, that's right. So yeah, that being said, you know. You mentioned ranking the 100 movies. Well, we are coming to the close of the first round of our 64-movie challenge for this year. Woohoo! We have four matchups to finish up the first round. And, Eric, can I say underwhelming a little bit, I think? Yeah, quite a few of these There was are. a couple in there that I really enjoyed. Well, there were some. There was quite a few new ones for me. And that being yeah. said, I was actually surprised by a couple of these. Yeah, I was as well. Um. You know, I'm not going to jump ahead and get into which ones, but uh, what do you say we go ahead and uh, choose some winners and rank us a few losers? Let's do it. Let's do it. How about we start in the Olympic bracket, since that's where we were just talking about. And let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about number seven, the cutting edge against number 10, the downhill racer. Number seven, The Cutting Edge from 1992, a rating of PG, a temperamental figure skater and a former hockey player try to win Olympic gold as a figure skating pairs team. This is a classic. I was I was uh, let's see. I would have been 11 years old when this came out. And I remember watching this when I was like 11, 12, saw it a couple times before I was a teenager now that I'm, you know, 40 years old, I go back and watch this. Um, interesting movie, to say the least. It actually kind of held up well for me. Going up now against number 10, a new movie for me called Downhill Racer from 1969. Quietly cocky Robert Redford joins U.S. ski team as downhill racer and clashes with his team's coach, played by the infamous Gene Hackman. Lots of good skiing action. And this thing leading to an exciting climax is how it is worded. Of course, like I said, Robert Redford and Gene Hackman highlighted this one. 
Um, what do you think, Chris? This is an interesting one. Seven ten Olympic bracket. What do you got? It is, and you know, let's face it, Hackman is, is iconic when it comes to sports films, as is Redford, really, from his role in The Natural. Uh, you know, both. Very well accomplished, very established actors. The skiing action was actually amazingly good, I thought. But you know what? It was actually, cutting edge I would say, so cutting good. edge for that time period, the 70s. Yeah, so good. I I got to go with the cutting edge here, Eric. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The cutting edge, like I said, it held up in pro- surprisingly well. It was like – it's been so long since I've seen it that it was watching it fresh all over again for me. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And you and I weren't the only ones. The fans also liked the cutting edge by a vote of 13 to 4 over the downhill racer, which means the cutting edge will go on to take on uh, an icon and award-winning chariots of fire in the second round. All right. So uh, that was the Olympic bracket. I'll let you pick the next bracket, Chris. Uh, you know what? Let's go to Best of the Rest. This is one of the movies I really enjoyed. So let's hop over there. All right. The Best of the Rest has number six, Tin Cup, against number 11, Bend It Like Beckham. Of course, Tin Cup released in 1996. A washed-up golf pro working at a driving range tries to qualify for the U.S. Open in order to win the heart of his successful rival's girlfriend. Of course, this has uh, Kevin Costner, Rene Russo, Don Johnson, Cheech Moran. Uh, gosh, I love Cheech, by the way. I always have. Um, great cast and a very fun and romantic uh, sports movie. Bend It Like Beckham from 2002. Two ambitious girls, despite their parents' wishes, have their hearts set on careers in professional soccer. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce all of the names who are in this because I don't speak Indian. However, uh, Kiara Knightley is in this and Jonathan Myers as well is in this um, along with a cast of other characters. Parminder Nagra, I guess maybe is how you would pronounce the main character's name, Jess. Um, so there you have it. That's those two films. By the way, Kiara Knightley, huge fan of her. Uh, I think she's a phenomenal actress. Um, interesting, interesting that really, despite Beckham's name being in this, he's only got a short cameo in the entire movie, which surprised me. Yeah. Because I had never seen this movie before. I had no idea what it was about. Where Tin Cup, I've seen multiple times, and I think Tin Cup still holds up tremendous. Give me Tin Cup. Yeah, I'm with you, Eric. You know, I, I too, big uh, Kira Knightley fan. Love, of course, love her work in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, but you know what? Ten Cup, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner and Dennis Quaid do sports movies about as well as anybody out there. Uh, and you know, this movie was actually produced by the same people who produced Bull Durham. Um. Really a great film. I love the dynamic between Costner and, and uh, Rene Russo, who, again, what a wonderful character as a as a love interest for one of the sports guys. Uh, also, you'll mm-hmm. remember her from Major League. Uh, and uh, Don Johnson, the, the dyna- dynamic between the three of them is great. Cheech Marin is just a funny guy. 
Uh, so I went with Tin Cup as well. And we weren't alone, Chris. In fact, by a huge margin, Tin Cup, 23 votes to zero for Bend It Like Beckham. Ten Is Cup, that our first shutout, Eric? It might be our first shutout of this of this tournament, yes. Um, Tin Cup moves on to take on number three, Bloodsport. So you got a romantic film against – uh, what we could probably call just a dude film. <laughs> so yeah, a total man movie. So Bloodsport and Ten Cup in the second round and the best of the rest bracket should be a lot of fun. All right, that leaves us with sequel bracket and family fran- family friendly bracket. Let's go ahead and do the sequel bracket, shall we? Sure. Number seven, The Bad News Bears and Breaking Training takes on number 10, Cars 2. All right. The Bad News Bears Breaking Training from 1976. Uh, it reprises the role of Walter Matthew as Coach Morris Buttermaker, uh, as well as some other characters who are returning, as well as Jackie Early Haley as Kelly Leak, um, Charles Barnes as Tanner Boyle. Um, and then you've got some new new faces in this one as well. Um, and then the you have uh, – Cars 2 from 2011, star race car Lightning McQueen and his pal Mater head overseas to compete in the World Grand Prix race, but the road to the championship becomes rocky as Mater gets caught up in an intriguing adventure of his own, an international espionage. Of course, Owen Wilson reprises his role as Lightning McQueen, Larry the Cable Guy as Mater, and then you have some new uh, characters as well, um, Michael Crane as Finn mcmissile i love that one uh cars 2 i think your son sums it up best chris when he talks about um just how um just how interesting cars 2 is compared to cars 1 i guess the best way to put it what do you think of these two films which direction are you going to go you know this was probably the most underwhelming matchup for me um we all know I'm not a huge fan of the 70s Bad News Bears movies. I actually like the newer version a little bit better with uh, Billy Bob Thornton, although I think Walter, Walter Matthau is a great actor. I did, the, the movies just didn't do it for me as much. Uh, Cars 2, yeah, that's that's about an hour and a half of my life I'm never going to have back. <laughs> uh, what so. Is- Reluctantly, I'm going to go with Bad cars? News Bears in this one. Didn't you, your son say Cars is great and Cars 2 is the worst movie ever made or something like that? Yes. Yes, that was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it to me. I, now, see, now, I I enjoy all the Bad News Bears movies. Now, I think this one might be a little better than the first one, in all honesty to me. I love, oh, I agree. I love the scene when they're in the Astrodome and the fans and the players are all chanting, let them play. Who hasn't experienced that to some degree when we were kids? I mean, we I remember chanting that all the time, you know. So I, I'm going to go with Bad News Bears Breaking Training as well. Uh, give it, give me that one over Cars 2. And you, the fans, agree with us by a vote of 19 to 5, meaning the Bad News Bears 2 Breaking Training is going to be going up against the number two-seeded Creed two in the second round and probably get annihilated. I say I don't like the chances for bad news bears there. Nah, it's going to be bad news for the bears. I'm I'm afraid there. So, all right, on to our last matchup. Here we go. From the family friendly bracket, we have number six Rad 
against number 11, Million Dollar Arm. Chris, these are new movies for me. Had never yeah. seen either one of these. Uh, Rad from 1986, the story of one young man who named Crew Jones, who has the intensity and desire to win a BMX race called Hell Track. Uh, there are some well-recognized uh, faces in this movie. Uh, Bart Connor, uh, excuse me, Bart Bart Connor ta- is uh, plays Bart Taylor. You have Lori Longlin, who um, Laughlin, who is most famously known as the mother of the twins in the sitcom. Try to think of what the sitcom is now. It was from Full House. She Full was House. better known for buying her kids way into college. Well, that might be the for the younger listeners. Yeah, <laughs> she she has the role as Christian in this. Uh, Bill Allen is crew. Uh, I love the uh, police officer, H.B. Haggerty, who played Sergeant Smith. I love that role. I thought he nailed that thing, did great. Uh, Ray Walton as Burton Timmer. Uh, I thought he did a great job in that role as well. He's a well-known actor from the uh, 60s and 70s. Uh, played an elderly man in the 80s there in that movie. Million Dollar Man from 2014. This is a Disney – or excuse me, Million Dollar Arm from 2014. This is a Disney movie about a sports agent who stages an unconventional recruitment strategy to get talented Indian cricket players to play Major League Baseball. Uh, John Hamm is uh, one of the main actors as JB. You have the uh, very talented Alan Arkin playing the seasoned veteran uh, Ray. Bill Paxton, who I believe passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't Bill Paxton pass away a few years ago? Yeah, he passed away a few years ago. Yeah. He's in this as Tom House. You have a couple Indian actors who I'm unfamiliar with who who I thought were just charming as could be in this film. And this is based on a true story, Chris. Um, And I didn't know it. I had never heard anything about it. I looked it up. And you know how Disney is. Disney knows how to tell a good story if it's a good story. And I thought Million Dollar Arm did that. I also thought Rad was totally 80 cheese, which you know I love completely. So I loved both of these films. This was really hard for me. But I'm going to go ahead and give a slight advantage to Million Dollar Arm. I just think the story itself is just a little better. Yeah, I lived that 80s cheese, Eric. I, <laughs> and I remember the BMX racing. You know, we used to have that down here at the county fair in Marion all the time. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was a big thing for quite a stretch there in the early to mid 80s, uh, kind of before the skateboards took over. Right. But, uh, you know, for me, I just thought Million Dollar Arm, like you said, Disney tells a great story. Uh, and Disney is really really showing well for themselves in the sports movie genre. Um, I liked Million Dollar Arm. I thought, like you said, I think charming was a perfect word to describe this movie. Um, just a tremendous film. And, and I love the, I can't remember the older guy's name now. Um, the um, the old, uh, you're talking about uh, the act, uh, Alan Arkin who played Alan Ray. Arkin, thank you. Yes, Alan Arkin cracks me up. That, you know, especially when he's sitting there and he's just like falling asleep at the at the tryouts. But he hears it. He went by the sound. When he hears the 43 yeah. mile an hour pitch and he's like 43. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just little things like Alan Arkin is a great character. Loved him in this film. Uh, I thought you were you were absolutely point on the 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 three unknown Indian actors were tremendous. Um, 
and it was just a great story. I, I'm going with Million Dollar Arm as well. All right, so we agree with the voters as well. Um, by a score of 12 to 6, Million Dollar Arm moves on and will now take on Cars, the original, uh, in the second round. That should be a knockdown dragout fight, I think. Oh, Disney going head-to-head. Mm-hmm. A little Pixar versus uh, uh, animation Pixar versus uh, live action. Yeah. All right, Eric, so what do you say? We jump right into ranking those movies that weren't as fortunate to move on, and let's start with Bend It Like Beckham. Let's do it. We're going to add Bend It Like Beckham to our list, and it first goes up against from 2004, Miracle. I'll take Miracle. Oh, Miracle all day long. Not even close. All right, next up from 2016, Race. I'm going to go with Race here. I am as well. From 2004, Mr. 3000. I'm not a fan of Mr. 3000, but I'm uh, still going to take you know it what? here. I think sometimes it uh, it depends on who it's up against. I'm not a natural fan of the movie either, so I'm going to go with Bender like Beckham. All right, we're going to flip it. You want heads or tails today? Uh, give me tails. Tails, and the first flip goes to you. Tails it is. Bend it like Beckham. Now, from 1997, The Sixth Man. Uh, again, I'm going to go with Bend It Like Beckham. We know I am not a huge Sixth Man fan. We're going to flip her again. And this time we get head, Sixth Man. So we're one and one against each other today. From 1996, Space Jam. Ooh. <laughs> I think I want to lean Space Jam. I don't want to lean Space Jam here. All right. From 2010, Tooth Fairy. Uh, I'm going to go with Tooth Fairy here. I just love that one. All right. I'm going with Bend It Like Beckham. So we'll flip again. Tails. So Tooth Fairy wins. And, oh, from 2021, Space Jam, A New Legacy. I think I'm going to take Bend It Like Beckham. Yeah, I'm going to go with you there. The second one wasn't as good as the first one, which wasn't really that good to begin with. All right. So, Bendit Like Beckham lands as number 92 on our list. All right. So, Downhill Racer, you want to go there next? Let's go with it. All right. We're going to pop her in here to the flick chart. Add it to the flick chart, Downhill Racer from 1969. And it first goes up against from 1993 – the program. You're kidding, right? I'm not Give kidding. The, the, program. Pro- the program moves on, obviously. Downhill Racer now goes up against 1994. One of your faves, Little Giants. Up Downhill Racer is pretty good, but it's not Little Giants. Little Giants is iconic for me. Yep. All right. Next up for Downhill Racer from 2004, Mr. 3000. Here I will take Downhill Racer. I'm going to go Downhill Racer here. All right. Ooh, these are actually very similar to me. From t- 1998, Without Limits. Hmm, I think I might like... Uh, you know what? Give me Downhill Racer. Uh, you know, I... Yeah, I'm going to go with the strength of, of Redford here. Give me Downhill Racer as well. That's funny you mentioned Redford because what threw it over the top for me was actually Gene Hackman. Uh, from 1987, Teen Wolf 2. 
I, I'm going to go downhill racer here. Eric. I, I'm not a huge fan of the original, but even less of the sequel. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will, I will secede to you on this one. We'll go downhill racer. Uh, from 2019, fighting with my family. Here, I'm going to take fighting with my family. Yeah, so am I. All right, downhill racer now is number 84 on our flick chart, which means it is time to either choose Cars 2 or Rad. I'll let you choose. Let's go with Cars 2, Eric. Cars Deuce. All right. <clears throat> from 2011, Cars 2 against from 1993, the program. I'll take the program. Yeah, program definitely. From 1994, Little Giants. Again, I think we're going to take Little Giants, my guess. I would agree. From 2004, Mr. 3000, Cars 2. I'm going to take Bernie Mac here. Yeah, so am I. Oh, boy, now we're getting in some nitty-gritty. From 2000, Angels in the Infield against Cars 2. Uh, I'm going to take Cars 2 here. I'm with you. Yeah, (laughs) that was a pretty bad movie. All right, so Cars 2 now against from 2011, Soul Surfer. I'm going to go with the uh, one-armed surfer girl here. Yeah, give me Soul Surfer here. I like that story just a little bit better. So do I. From 1998, Caddyshack 2. (laughs) Cars 2 is bad, but is it Caddyshack 2 bad, Chris? Eric, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going back to the shack. Oh, let's flip for this one. I don't think it's that bad. All right, you you chose tails, if I recall correctly. Yes, sir. Heads. Cars 2 will move on. And its next matchup will be, as Flickchart regenerates, back to Soul Surfer. We already chose Soul Surfer, so that's not going to work. So that means Cars 2 sits at number 100. Number 100. All right, let's... Put in Rad next. I'd never heard of this movie until we were looking up uh, family-friendly movies. I feel like I may have saw it as a kid. Did you? But it had been so long, it was like seeing it again for the first time. All right, Rad from 1986 up against Glory Road from 2006. Oh, Glory Road. It's not even close. All right, Rad against the new 2022 home team. Yeah, I'm going to go home team here, Eric. Let's flip for this one. I was, I was really not a fan of home team. Heads. Rad will take the victory there. All right. Uh, next, from two, 2012, Trouble with the Curve. Give me Trouble with the Curve. Yeah, Trouble with the Curve. Look, Church's uh, acting a little slow on us here. Here we go. From 2006, The Flying Scotsman. A couple bicycle movies here. I think I'm going to take Rad here. I'm actually going to take The Flying Scotsman. I think there's more meat on that movie. Uh, so we'll flip for this one. So let me get this straight. You went for the meat and I went for the cheese? Yes, you got All it. Right. You, yeah, and and anybody who is just drinking wine probably, you know, made out instead of the meat or cheeses here. Uh, heads, Flying Scotsman gets the win. Rad against Major League Two from 1994. Oh, Major League Two. Yeah, I, let's go. Let's go back to the diamond there for that one. Uh, let's see here. A couple more matchups. Flip chart regenerating again from 2016. Race. Oh, race. I agree. 
<clears throat> from 1994, Little Giants. I got to go with my Giants. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Rad sits at number 82. 82 out of 109 movies on our flick chart. So there you have it. Those are the four movies that lost this week that are now added to the Varsity Videos flick chart. You can check that out by going to flickchart.com backslash varsity videos with an S at the end, plural. Okay, Eric. So that brings it, it brings us to this week's movie, which was, I thought, a pretty good one. So why don't you go ahead and introduce the listeners to exactly what we watched this week? So we are adding a brand new film just out on DVD, American Underdog. It was... in theaters on Christmas Day 2021 and it's the story of NFL MVP and Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner who went from stocking shelves as a supermarket to becoming an American football star. Uh, Zachary Levi is the man who reprises the role of Kurt Warner and and I think it's Paquin or Paquin I think I'm not really sure how Paquin. Uh, she is Brenda Mione and did a phenomenal job. Of course, this has Dennis Quaid as Dick Vermeil. Uh, the infamous Bruce McGill is in this as Jim Foster. Cindy Hogan plays Sue Warner, the mother of uh, Kurt Warner. Um, Hayden Zeller plays Zach, and I love this kid. Love, oh, amazing. I, he's amazing a, I just adore man. him. Uh, an amazing actor. Um, you also have Sir Darius Blaine, who played uh, the friend of Kurt Warner, and Mike Hudnut, uh, Hudnut, who was in this as well. And Chance Kelly plays Mike Martz, who might be the most difficult person to try to emulate on screen, in my opinion. Those are the main actors. Um, I thought it was a, a very good cast. Um, I thought it was a great story. And for the most part, flick chart needs to catch up <laughs> because your your flick chart ratings here are interesting to say the least. It's got a global ranking of sixty six thousand and ninety. It wins only forty eight percent of its matchups. 
Only 39 users have ranked it, two of which are you and I. It's been ranked 493 times. It has zero people who've ranked it number one, zero who've ranked it in their top 20. So the flick chart, um, the flick chart stats, if you will, um, are not impressive. It is a newer movie, which uh, has to play with that. And it's a sports movie, which a lot of times, you know, you've got people who just aren't going to be uh, into, into sports movies, a lot of which who are on flick chart. So it has that against it. Um, the writers for this film uh, were actually Kurt Warner, which based is in the, and it's based on his book All Things Possible, um, and then of course Michael Silver and John Irwin, who John Irwin took the book and 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 rewrote it for screen. It was directed by Andrew Irwin and John Irwin. It grossed uh, worldwide twenty six and a half million. The opening weekend was five point eight million. To a budget of – it also had a budget of $7 million. It was produced by Kevin Downs along with Andrew and John Irwin. It was edited by Sean Albertson and Andrew Irwin. The cinematography was done by Christopher Kimlin, and the music was comprised by John Debney, which I thought was a intricate part of, of this film, to be honest with you. And it was distributed by Lionsgate Entertainment. Um, so those are kind of your stats there and, and statistics, Chris, about this movie. So why don't you dive into this thing and tell us all about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I agree with you, Eric, before we even get started, the music was so good and, and just played so well into this film. But so the movie opens and we get images and sounds from Super Bowl 19 and a little bit of a monologue by Kurt Warner describing what drove his passion for football as a kid. Uh, we then kind of shift to Kurt as a college player at Northern Iowa, where he is a senior and he has only started two games. Despite being successful and his coach, you know, letting him know, hey, you've got the tools, he is consistently criticized for his inability to stay in the pocket. Following the game, Kurt's trying to put together his own highlight tape to send out to scouts. When his buddy Mike decides, hey, they're going out to a country and western bar. This is where Kurt sees Brenda for the first time. And as you said, played by Anna Paquin, and I thought she was just amazing in this film. He's instantly taken back. After the bar, we're back uh, with Kurt again at practice where the coach is again on him about not staying in the pocket. After practice, he, and, and I love this scene in the grocery store, his, his buddy is uh, he's asking his buddy to teach him how to dance so that he can, you know, meet Brenda. And his friend Mike is just laughing. I'm just cracking on him a little bit about this. So we go to the bar scene next and he goes up and kind of slips a little cash to the bartender so he can get his song played so he can go off and show out for Brenda. Uh, you know, he goes up, introduces himself. Of course, Brenda refuses to give her name, trying to make Kurt guess the name. Uh, after the dance, Kurt and Brenda have this deep conversation about Kurt's love for football 
where he explains the connection to his father and uh, the fact that he had left and that football is the one thing that makes him kind of feel all right. Of course, Brenda finally gives up her name before leaving the bar. Then she's, you know, just kind of walking away and saying, hey, you, you don't want to you don't want any of this mess. Um, refusing to give out his number, her number. Um, she does tell him, hey, I'm a single mom of two kids. Just, you know, you, I, I don't expect to hear from you again at this point. The next scene, we're kind of introduced a little bit to Brenda's family. Uh, when Kurt, out of nowhere, decides, hey, I'm going to get this uh, girl's address from the bartender and find out where she lives. Uh, so he goes out un- unannounced. She, of course, is panicking, as I'd imagine a single mother would do, because you don't want the kids meeting this guy who just randomly met at a bar. Um, so she's kind of running around panicked. And her son, Zach, this is where we first meet him for the first time. He opens the door and just welcomes Kurt in. Um, we find out, of course, that Zach is blind. And he's just carrying around this broken radio, which wasn't really broken. The batteries just need replaced. So Kurt replaces the batteries, and, and they're just sitting there, lying on the floor, listening to music, when we meet Brenda's mom, Jenny Joe. You know... A discussion ensues, and Kurt finally does get Brenda's number because she doesn't want him just popping up again. Um, we also find out that, you know, we find out, I think, a little bit about Kurt and who he is because he, he hoofed it three miles to get to that house, you know? So <laughs> there's obviously some interest there. Uh, the next scene, we're back into the football action, and we find out why Kurt's a bench warmer. His coach tells him, listen, the reason I'm so disappointed is the fact that you have all this talent, but you won't stay in the pocket. You don't trust my playbook and you don't trust your teammates. And Kurt says, well, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do anything to get on the, t- the the field. And this leads to, I think, one of the best training scenes in the movie. And that is when the defense is just teeing off on Warner as he's learning how to stay in the pocket. You know, the coach says, hey, you can throw it, but you cannot run. And they are just teeing off. It gets to the point, Eric, where even the offense wants to flip jerseys so they can hit him. So after practice, you know, Kurt finds out, hey, I'm going to get my shot. He, you know, tries calling Brenda. She just kind of hangs up on him. So he goes out to the house and they go for a drive with the kids and they just kind of, you know, sitting by the lake. And we get introduced to her backstory a little bit. Uh, the fact that she was in the Marines, she came from a bad marriage where, you know, the the ex had cheated on her. Um, we find out how Zach exactly how Zach became blind uh, because he wasn't born blind. And this is where we also learn of Brenda's deep connection to her faith. And that's something that and you and I glanced on it before the the we started recording. I thought they did a great job with this movie as a faith based movie or having that at the essence, but not really just shoving it in your face, um, letting it develop. There's uh, a reason. And let me, let me touch on that real fast. Yeah. And I'll get into this more when you ask me my final thoughts after you do the third segment. Yeah. It's, 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 
you can't do a story about Kurt Warner without right. touching on that subject. Yes, absolutely. Is all, I, is all I can say about it at this point. It will make more sense after I express my overall feelings of the film, but it's not like you could just gloss over that because that is a, an essential part of of who Kurt and Brenda are as people. Correct. Correct. Uh, so Brenda, you know, after this, you know, long drive to the lake, he, she's just determined this cannot work, and she tells him as much. And then the next thing you know, they're kissing and agree to go out the next night. Yeah, I love that. I love that part where she's like, this isn't going to work. And then she just like, like attacks, attacks him. him. <laughs> yeah, that. it's great. Of course, now is where we get the, uh, you know, kind of a mini obligatory sports montage. But it's not like the typical sports montage where it's all training or all. all sport. We see some game footage. We see uh, the little bit of the budding relationship. Uh, we see Kurt's little self-promotion tour, so to speak. And again, the music here, is, I think, is key in the success of this scene. Uh, they go to watch the draft after this at Kurt's mom's house, and she's concerned about the relationship. She's concerned about Kurt getting involved with somebody who is a single mother, which I'm going to touch on again later in the show because you get this feeling there's this dislike for Brenda. But we find out later in the movie that that's just not the case. Uh, the next day, Zach's birthday, we learned that Kurt has not been drafted. Brenda encourages him, though, to follow his dream. The next scene that we see is the family dinner. And I love this scene with the family dinner as well, uh, where he says, you know, how do you think the Bears are going to do? And Kurt's like, oh, did the, did the Bears call? Did the Bears call? The Bears? He's like, no, but you know what? The Packers did. Yeah. So that's kind of what the buildup is as far as introducing the backstories on the characters, Eric. And what do you think to this point as far as the how the characters were developed and how and I don't know how much you actually know of the true story of Kurt Warner or what we actually know of, of the true story. But how do you feel that it was? portrayed as far as the character build up in the movie and do you think that you know they, they kind of stayed true to the people who they are at this point yes i i i feel as far as what i know about kurt and brenda and their story that this that they did a pretty good job i feel of building those characters up and staying true to the source material um i thought that i thought that you had to maybe and this is really hard to do, I think, in film is get an actor and make him look younger and then age him as the film you know, progresses. Right. And and of course, you know, I don't know what they had as far as the ability to, uh, you know, purchase and pay for that type of thing. And, and, and so at times I felt like when Kurt was in college and Brenda's supposed to be a young single mom that they they looked a little older than probably what they should. Uh, right. So that 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 might be, uh, you know, to me, something to consider. But as far as if, if you can suspend belief a little bit on that, I thought they portrayed Iowa very well. I thought they portrayed, you know, where they were. I love the whole dancing scenes in the, the country western theme yes. uh, about this. I thought that really brought a Midwestern feel to the thing, uh, to the film. I thought it was done extremely well. And I'll tell you, Anna, the actress who played Brenda – she crushed it. She yeah. absolutely crushed it. 
And I don't know uh, how or what they did to Zachary Levi to make him look like Kurt Warner, but the dude looked just like Kurt Warner. Yeah, they did a good job with that. He he man he his mannerisms and things I thought was really good and and later on when we talk about Dennis Quaid I thought he I thought he knocked it out of the ballpark too. But uh, I you know the the first part of the film I thought this thing was going to be really cheesy. I didn't have high expectations, and after the first third of the movie, I was like, okay, this is this isn't bad. This is going somewhere, and so I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I would agree. So let's jump into the second part of the movie, which, uh, of course, you know, is, is the longer portion, the meteor portion. So Kurt goes out as soon as he's signed and he spends his signing bonus on a new truck. You know, we can clearly see that Brenda has some reservations about Kurt going off to Green Bay. And you can sense almost that she feels like this kind of might be it for him. Kurt goes to practice where he is called on to take the field on day one. He explains, hey, I just got here. I haven't learned the playbook. I don't want to blow my shot. Well, of course, in doing this, he blew his shot because he is actually cut from the team two days after arriving. Kurt drives back to Iowa, tried contacting every single NFL team. Of course, no one is interested at this point. Kurt's now unemployed. He's homeless, and he agrees to move in with Brenda and her family. Uh, we then see Kurt watching football with Zach. And I think in one of the truly, and this movie had, had some truly touching uh, moments, Eric. And I think this is one of them. You know, he's watching football with Zach. Who's just sitting there listening to the game. And Kurt admits to Zach a little bit. Hey, you know, I, I should be out there playing football, but no one picked me. And Zach just responds to him and gives him, a, I pick you. Yeah. You want to talk about, oh, man, you're you're like, oh, dude, the, the tears swell up right away. <laughs> oh, th- this kid, I don't care how big of a guy you are. This kid at some point in this movie is going to bring a tear to your eye. So. Kurt, you know, decides, uh, you know, I'm going to go out he, or goes out the next day to go grocery shopping and he gets a job at the grocery store to help make ends meet just until tryouts next season. At the store, this young fan recognizes him, and you can see it, it, Kurt's hurt by it, kind of. It, it almost seems like it's demoralized him to some extent. Right. Um. You know, and, and then we see this, scene, and, I, and I love this scene where Kurt is checking out the Dan Marino Wheaties box, and one of the young stock boys comes up and says, uh, "Yeah, you think you can be that guy?" Kurt goes, "Yeah. Why are you here?" Just do it. Uh, you know, and he kind of, you know, you get in the scene where they're playing football in the store and they get in a little bit of trouble with the, what, 15-year-old store manager that must be there, you know. But, uh, you know, the next scene we see, we've got Kurt and Brenda out at lunch. And this is where we're introduced to um, Jim Foster, who is the owner of the Iowa Barnstormers. And, uh, oh my goodness, his name escapes me, the actor, Eric. He was in Animal House. Um, Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill. I love Bruce McGill. Yeah. I, I really do. I, you know, he's, he's great. He never gets the big part, per se, but he always plays such a great character. Yeah. So, 
we're introduced to Jim Foster here, and he's the owner of the Iowa Barnstormers of the Arena Football League. Once Kurt's come play for the Barnstormers, but Kurt refuses because arena football is not football. It is a circus, <laughs> and he is going to be an NFL quarterback. When they get back home, Brenda's dad calls Kurt into the garage and tells him, hey, listen, we're, we're moving to Arkansas. We found our dream home. And basically says, you know, without telling him, you know, Kurt picks up on they're going to have to move. And I thought this was a great moment between him and the father, too, uh, you know, where the father comes out and says, hey, glad to hear you said we. So basically, what are your intentions? What 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 are you going to do here? Because I need to leave here knowing that you're going to take care of my family. So Kurt agrees, of course, a year later. Uh, we've jumped into the jumped into the future here a little bit, and there is a brutal snowstorm happening. Uh, you know, they're in an apartment without heat and electric, and Zach is sick. Brenda says, "Hey, I'm just quitting nursing school. I'm going to get a job. You know, nothing works in this apartment. We got to get this taken care of." Kurt refuses to allow her to do this, though. He refuses to allow her to give up on her dream. And it's almost like you said you sense him saying, "You can't give up on your dream because I gave up on mine." So they try to go to Kurt's mom's, you know, get some, get, get warm and the car runs out of gas, you know, they, and you see the struggle at this point when they're trying to scrape together just a few dollars for gas, which of course in today's comedy, you know, economy wouldn't get you a third of a gallon, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're scraping together this money and Kurt leaves in a blizzard to run back to the gas station for gas, comes back to find the snow-covered vehicle. Um, and, you know, instantly, e- even though we knew that they were okay because it's a true story, you know, I'm sitting here watching this movie with my wife, Eric, and she's like, oh, no, what happened? You know, you see that snow-covered vehicle, and you instantly think there's something wrong. Well, fortunately, there wasn't. And they get the family to Kurt's mom's house. And at this point, I think it is, he decides – you know what, I've got to honor my promise to her father, and I've got to take care of this family the only way I know how. So he goes out and joins the Iowa Barnstormers, where he is reunited with his college buddy, Mike. Uh, in the first game, Warner struggles a little bit. He's failing to catch on to the pace of the arena game. After the game, Foster works with him on adjusting his timing, moving to that three-step drop, and starting the next game, Warner begins to excel. He also finds out he gets a little bonus for throwing touchdowns, Eric. Yeah. It's a hundred dollar for every touchdown he throws. And boy, he just, I love the line. He's like, this is going to be fun. Uh, you know, after the game, Kurt talks to Brenda and you can sense that there's just this tension, this struggling in the relationship, you know, mainly due to the distance. I'm sure. Um, Brenda tries to bring the kids up to the game the following Saturday and can't get access to Kurt. Zach gets lost. And this is where things really start to unravel for him. They go home. Brenda comes back by herself to have a discussion with Kurt where she explains, you know what? This this isn't going to work. I want you to follow your dreams, but I, you know, there's a question about the commitment to the relationship. You can sense there's some distrust there after, you know, she hears the partying going on. Um, And she just can't see him being together long term. So they argue. 
Kurt basically says, okay, well, here you go. Here's my touchdown money that I've been saving up for us. You know, just take it and it's done. You think it's over. Well, at the game after this, Kurt just can't focus. Despite winning and earning a trip to the Arena Bowl, Kurt's just not happy. Uh, and, and this is where Kurt has this heartfelt talk, discussion with his mother where she reveals it isn't that she doesn't like Brenda. She just sees way too much of herself in her, and she doesn't want him to struggle the way she's had to struggle. Shortly after this, Kurt gets a call from a very upset Brenda, who we find out her parents were killed in a tornado in Arkansas. Uh, and immediately he leaves to go to her. He stays with her and is there for, you know, there she spreads her parents' ashes. Uh, he then takes the kids home so Brenda and her sister can take care of things in Arkansas. When she arrives home, she sees the kids. And, of course, Kurt's got the backyard all decorated up with lights. And they're having this heartfelt discussion. And Kurt proposes. And this is one of the best proposals I, I think I've ever seen because she just will not be quiet long enough to let him talk. She's not going to let him ask the question, it seems. Um, the wedding scene is up next. And I think this was a great scene, Eric. And it was primarily because of the kids. Uh, the the daughter saying, will you dance with me, daddy? And and then, of course, the, the scene which really tears at everybody's heart, which is, you know, Zach singing to Kurt. Um. We jump forward past the wedding and we're at the arena bowl. I love the way here they tied in some of the actual clips of the arena bowl um, into this. You know, the game's close. Kurt's driving downfield to win the game, only to come up one yard short as time expires. Bit of irony if you know Kurt Warner's story. Mm -hmm. uh, after the game, Kurt is introduced to Davey Gillis of the St. Louis Rams. Uh, Coach Dick Vermeil uh, absolutely loves Kurt. They want him to come and try out. Uh, Vermeil, of course, played by Dennis Quaid, who just, he, he like you said earlier, he nailed it. He nailed it. And then, of course, offensive coordinator Mike Martz has zero interest in this because Warner's old. He's washed up. He's not going to be able to catch on to the nuances of this extremely difficult offense. And, March just wants nothing to do with him. And and March was also portrayed, I thought, really well. March gives Warner an extremely hard time during practice and in the film room. However, Warner is befriended by Isaac Bruce, who I think kind of helps him get through it all. Uh, kind of tells him, you know, this is just the way that that, that Coach March is. You just got to push through. And Martz continues to just be verbally berated by Martz at practice, which I think this just goes, because he sticks to it, just goes to further impress Vermeil. Uh, you know, after the practice, Vermeil asks for Warner to meet up with him. And the two have this great discussion about how all the negativity and the shade that people are throwing at him right now is the same thing that he's going through coming back after this long absence from coaching. He expresses how much he believes in Kurt and officially welcomes him to the Rams. So as we kind of close down this section of the movie, I think we get one of the great scenes. 
for me, it's just hilarious. And that is when the family moves to St. Louis and Brenda comes home to find Zach riding the lawn tractor, which Kurt has rigged up with a strap so it only goes in circles. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that scene. Uh, but that kind of wraps up the second portion of the movie. Eric, your thoughts? So <clears throat> I've had this love-hate relationship in my life with Brenda, like the real person. Yes. Um, she is magnetic in the fact that she draws all kinds of eyeballs to her for good and for bad. <laughs> but this movie softened my my overall impressions of of her because of the 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 real life things that this woman had to go through. And again, I'm going to go back and reiterate a little bit that if you're going to tell the story of Kurt Warner, you can't do it without telling the story story of Brenda Warner. Right. So um, that and, and those real life troubles and, and aspirations and the the struggles and trials that they went through as a couple, I think, is something that a lot of people can really relate to. This movie, in a lot of ways, is going to be very relatable for a lot of people who would take yes. the time to watch it. It's not just about football. And I know what people are saying. How can you relate to a guy who can throw the football as well as Kurt Warner? Well, that I can't relate to. But you know what I can relate to? Doing a job that you feel is underneath your mental capacity or social skills in order to pay the bills so that you have enough money in your gas tank to get through the snowstorm. You know, Absolutely. Who, hasn't, who hasn't been there as a, as a man, you know, unless right. you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. So this movie to me and the middle portion of this movie to me is all about relatability. And I loved it. Yeah, that that's actually, uh, and I was going to bring that up if you didn't, Eric, because to me, I can see myself in those same situations. And that is what kind of, I think, connects, just as you mentioned, connects the, the common person to this this movie and to this story. Um, although, you know, I'm going to throw in something Bobby said, you know, my wife said to me during this, and she goes, you know, I just don't see this happening. She goes, I don't believe any woman who was strong enough to be a Marine is going to let herself get into this situation. <laughs> but you know what? I think that, again, I think that's what it is. I think that is where the we can all, you know, emotionally connect with the film. So anyhow, we kind of move on to the third for, portion of the of the movie, which is, you know, the the real. Yeah, kind of, kind of where it all takes off for Kurt. Um, first preseason game sees Trent Green, who was the projected starter, go down to injury. Despite thoughts that the Rams would go out, trade, pick up a legitimate starter, the Rams decide, you know what, we're going to roll with Kurt Warner. Of course, Coach Martz calls him into the office, and I love this too, calls him into the office and is just grilling him and telling him, basically saying, or, or kind of intimating at what he's not. And then as Kurt walks out of the office, he picks up the phone and calls down to Vermeil and says, you know what? This kid's ready. So before kickoff of his first start, Brenda brings Kurt this message from Zach. And, and again, Zach's going to make somebody cry. 
<laughs> she she reads this message about to to Kurt and, and gives him this speech about how Zach has always defied the odds and now it's it's Kurt's turn basically to go out there and defy the odds. Um, in this first drive, Kurt's moving the ball well, but gets down to the goal line and here comes Ray Lewis picking it off, taking it about halfway down the field the other way. You know, after the pick, Martz is on the phone wanting to talk to Warner and you just kind of get the feeling that oh, this might be it. Even though we know it's not, Eric, you get the feeling like this might be it. But instead, he instills this confidence in Kurt and tells him, listen, I wouldn't have put you out there if I didn't think you were a champion. So basically, get out there and play like a champion. Well, Warner comes back out and he lights it up. Of course, at the end of the game, you get this great show of respect from Ray Lewis uh, coming over, uh, just telling him, hey, you were great out there. Then we get another sports montage where we're mixing up, you know, scenes from some childhood memories with actual footage. You've got, you've got uh, the the season, the remaining season mixed into this. Um, and as the f- uh, film closes out, you actually get to see some, you know, actual real footage and, and photos of uh, Kurt Warner and his, his family. Um, I'll tell you, the end of this film to me, Eric... I didn't like 100% the way it ended because they pretty much, in, in essence, yeah, they showed this other the other snippets of how the season ended and and how they won the Super Bowl. They showed snippets. I wanted more after that first game. I just wanted more of the football action after that first game. I wanted him to dive in more into what he actually accomplished during that season. And what I wanted more than anything was for them to show the end of that Super Bowl, because I think that kind of would have brought the film full circle because we go from losing the arena bowl by one yard to basically the Rams defense making a stand and them winning the Super Bowl by one yard. And I understand the defense was not the star of the film, but I just feel like it would have brought it full circle for me. Um. As far as the movie as a whole, I really love the musical scoring. I thought it was on on point. I really thought, that, as I mentioned, I loved the the faith based message, which was the essence of the film, and I really loved the way they did a great job early in the movie developing the characters and showing the familial relationships. But even as you progressed, the way they developed the relationships between Kurt Warner, Mike Martz, and Dick Vermeil. Um, overall, I thought it was a great movie. As I said before we started, not remember the Titans type of great, but this is a really good movie that I could see myself putting in, you know, maybe not daily, but every you know, every couple of weeks, every couple of months, I could throw this in just for that feel-good story. So what do you think? All right. So I've watched this film. I, I watched it for my own enjoyment a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or half ago or so. And then, of course, I watched it again this week uh, to review it before before we um, before we recorded. And it dawned on me what this film really is. This film is not necessarily about the Rams. This film right. is not about 
uh, Northern Iowa or the Barnstormers or even really football in general. This story is a is a comeback story. It's a story about um, when you get knocked down, your ability to get back up. It's, it's a story redemption. Of, it's, a, it's a story about redemption. It's a story about love. It's a story about compassion. It's a story about faith. And all of those things are what make Kurt Warner who he is. Yeah. That's what this movie is about. You could replace the name American Underdog and just put the Kurt Warner story, and it's exactly what it is. And all the roles and intricate uh, things that the people in in the roles that they played in this movie participate in to make this film stand up and make Kurt Warner stand up. Kurt Warner, although he had this incredible confidence in himself, would have never been able to do what he did if it wasn't for Brenda, if it wasn't for Brenda's children, if it wasn't for his college coach, if it wasn't for Dick Vermeil. Like a lot of things had to really go right in order for Kurt Warner to get where he got which is that faith base, which is that confidence, which is that redemption story that we talk about. And so when I watched it a second time, it dawned on me that you have all of these great lessons learned from this film, but it's not really any of those things. It's all of those things because of who Kurt Warner is. And I'm not trying to set Kurt Warner up on a pedestal to be like an idol or anything. I'm just saying the man's achievements in life are so much greater beyond winning a Super Bowl. And Absolutely. that's what I think he's trying to portray in his life story to people is that your Super Bowl might not be, you know, on the football field. Your your redemption moment might not be like my redemption moment, but that doesn't mean you yourself can't have a a redemption moment or a love story. You just have to keep trying and pushing and believing in yourself. And that's what I got from this movie. Well, and, you know, Eric, you, you're absolutely right. And, and that message is actually delivered multiple times through the movie, basically just the way you did. Uh, if you look, there was a discussion early on between uh, Brenda and Kurt about football not defining him. Uh, you had the same thing with Brenda's father and Kurt kind of just, just about what's – what true success is in life. And it wasn't about football in either case. It's very much what you just mentioned. Uh, and, and that was, that was a very good underlying uh, theme through this movie. And again, I absolutely, I just love the movie. Yeah. So it's, it's good, man. It's a good movie. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So this is going to be let's, interesting let's see here. Just how good it is. According to our flick chart rating, Eric, let's do it. All right, we're going to add American Underdog to our Varsity Videos flip chart, and boy, do we have a doozy to start off with right away. From 2006, Glory Road. You know, I really like Glory Road. I think I'm going to take American Underdog here, though. I'm I'm leaning towards Glory Road, but tell me why you think American Underdog, I should change my vote. I'll give you the opportunity to change my mind. You know, I can't fault you for wanting to go Glory Road. I thought it was a excellent film. Um, but for me, I don't know. I, I can honestly say that after – if I sit down and watch both, I feel better about myself and better about the nature of people after watching this story. 
I really do. I mean, that this is a film that I would show my kids and say, not necessarily you want to be Kurt Warner, but this is the type of person you want to be. Okay. I mean, I could go either way, and since you're so since you're so strong towards Kurt Warner's American Underdog, I'm going to go ahead and say American Underdog, but I could I could be swayed. Boy, here we go, Dennis Quaid from 2002, The Rookie. Oh man, this is tough. I, Quaid I, versus I'm Quaid. Def- I'm definitely the rookie here for me. Yeah, I think I've got to go the rookie as well. It's. That movie is just so good. The Jimmy Morrison story is just so good. Oh, gosh. This is going to be interesting, too. From 1996, Jerry Maguire. You, you know, I like these are, Jerry Maguire. Believe it or not, these are similar movies in a little they bit. They really are because it's more <laughs> about the relationship and the person than it is the sport. I think, I think Jerry Maguire – has some strong points. I think it actually has some of the greatest catchphrases in movies. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Um, overall, I like the story a little bit better from Kurt Warner, though. I'm going to okay. go with American Underdog. Let's flip for this one, because I think Jerry Maguire stands the test of time. And it is heads, so that means Jerry Maguire gets, the, gets it here. American Underdog against The Natural from 1984. I'm going American Underdog. I am here too. And again, Eric, it's not because of, I think they're both great stories. I think that the natural just drugs so much. It was often hard to watch because it took so long from 1986 wildcats. Oh, hurt you, right? I'm going to, here's the thing. If I was going to sit down and throw one in the DVD, just to, to, to watch and get a good laugh. I'm going to throw Wildcats in there. Absolutely. But you know what? I think American Underdog is really the better movie. I think you're right, actually. I, in fact, I know you're right. But Wildcats is iconic, and I don't it know is. that it's I, great. I don't. I just don't know that American Underdog is going to capture the cinema going or sports going fans' attention the same way Wildcats did. But and it won't. It won't. If you're looking from a cinematic value, American Underdog is definitely the better. If you're looking at a sports fan, they're probably 90% of the time going to take Wildcats. I'm going to agree with you, though. I think American Underdog is the better film. I think it's better written, and it's got a better story to it. It's got a better uh, meaning. So I'm I think go... the acting is better in the movie. I agree. I actually Although I believe Bruce McGill also is in Wildcats, is he? He not? is. He is. He is. He's the, uh, Dan Darwin. Yes. Yes. American Underdog gets the win there. All right. Here we go. From 2008, The Express. Ooh, I really like The Express. I do as well, but I. But I, I think I'm gonna go American Underdog. I'm with you. I'm gonna go with Kurt Warner. There. All right. This one is a no-brainer for me. From 1993, 1993, Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings all day long. I love. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I love Cool Runnings. You know, that's one of my favorites of all time. So that means that American Underdog now sits at number 43 on our flick chart. 110 movies reviewed. Number 43 is Kurt Warner, so he's better than half. Uh, the top 40. 
if you want to look at that. Uh, number 40 is The Legend of Bagger Vance. Number 41, Jerry Maguire. 42, Cool Runnings. Uh, 43, American Underdog. 44, The Express. 45, The Bronze. 46, Wildcats. 47, Creed. 48, Leatherheads. 49, The Natural, and number 50, Blue Chips. I think out of that list, I think Creed might be a little better than 47. Yeah, I would agree. And, and it's kind of like you were reading that list there, and then Wildcats and the Bronze pop in there. It's like one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, no because kidding, you've right? got a lot of really, I think, really good cinema in that the other eight films that you mentioned. There's a lot of drama there. A yeah. lot of drama. Um. And then you got these two just uh, – they're good comedies. They really are. They are. They I are. don't know Absolutely. if they're top 50 films, but they're they're good comedies. They are good comedies. So that's where we're at right now with American Underdog. That just leaves us a little bit of business to, to take care of here, Eric, and that is discussing what we are going to watch next episode what have you got for us we are going way off the off the track here i mean way off the track you mentioned good comedies in the bronze and wildcats i think it's time to add another one to that and it is and like i said it is way out there in left field man it's the movie from night uh from i think it's 2018 is when it came out tag I actually have not seen this, Eric. I saw a clip of it the other day, though. Okay. Yeah. It, don't watch this around your kiddos. Just fair warning. Uh, it is a comedy. It's got a cast of characters in it. Jeremy Renner, Ed Helms, uh, Jake Johnson, John Hamm, uh, uh, Lil Rel Howery, a great comedian. Um, Annabella Wa- uh, Wallace is in this. Isla Fisher. Steve Berg. I mean, it's got it's got a hilarious cast. And dude, when I watched this movie, it, it to me it was surprisingly funny. And I I want to go back and watch it again. So why not watch it again and talk about it? it is it a sports movie? Kinda. I mean, it's kind of like we were talking about at the beginning we're, of the show. We're kind of considering developing kinda. Yeah. So we're we're gonna go off the off the rails here a little bit. I, I want to watch Tag again. Next year, can we just include a kind of bracket? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should should include a, bl- a bracket that basically is, says, "Is this a sports movie?" Question <laughs> mark. Okay. Well, that does it for today's show. Please remember to rank and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcast from. Also, make sure you are following us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash varsity videos. Until next time, see you at the field, on the court, and in the theater. Have a good night, everybody.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.